Hey friends, before we hop into today's episode, I just want to make sure you're aware of In His Image Wellness Collective. It is a group that I run where we are focusing on stewarding our wellness for the Lord. Yes, not chasing body image, not chasing scales, but really making decisions about our mental, emotional, physical, spiritual well-being with a kingdom lens. We do workouts, we do meal plans, we do devotions, we meet weekly for prayer via Zoom. It is incredible and you want to be a part of it. So make sure you send me an email and I'll give you all the details. All right, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to Affirming Truths. I'm your friend and host, Carla Arges. This show is a safe place to share our struggles, grow in faith, and root our identity in Christ. My hope is that you will leave each episode feeling encouraged in your journey. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review. I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey friends, welcome to this week's episode of Affirming Truth. I am your host, Carla Arges, and I am so glad that you're here with me today. You know, I've got to be honest, I am noticing some hard stuff in the world right now, and not just the world on a whole, in my own inner world, in my own circle of friendships, people are struggling. I'm seeing people struggle with their health, physically, mentally. I'm seeing marriages struggle. I'm seeing parents struggling with their kids. I'm just seeing a lot of struggle. Families struggling to put food on the table as, as prices go up and inflation soars. You know, families struggling with devastation of violence and, you know, weather atrocities. Um, I'm Canadian and recently the East Coast of Canada got um, hit by Fiona and there's devastation there. Like people are struggling. And I think sometimes our tendency in struggle and what I've noticed in myself is that we either try to fix it on our own or we completely shut down. And maybe that resonates with you. Maybe when you're struggling, you either go into like solution mode, like how can I how can I find all the solutions? How can I fix all this? I know that's that's where my head, husband tends to go. Like when when we're struggling, when there's a struggle, he goes into how can I fix this, right? And it, it looks at self. I'm a little bit the opposite. When things go into struggle, I, I tend to shut down. I get overwhelmed. I freeze in my tracks and I stay stuck, right? I stay stuck in the middle of the struggle. And the truth is neither one of those positions is really as, as women of faith that we should lean on. We should not lean on our own self-reliance, right? And we should not be overcome by our situation or circumstance, but we fall into that, don't we? And, and I think sometimes 
part of the reason why is that we kind of doubt God. Can we be honest? Can we say sometimes we doubt God? Sometimes we doubt that he can fix it. Sometimes we doubt his willingness to fix it. Sometimes we're disappointed or or angry at God because of our struggle. And because of this doubt or because of this, this disappointment, rather than turning to God, we turn to ourselves. Mm. I have done that so many times. And can I tell you, it does not work. We have such a beautiful example in the Bible of what to do in the struggle. The Psalms are full of this. We we see David and, and the other writers of the Psalms constantly coming to God. God, here is my struggle. I'm surrounded. They come with their discouragement. Where are you? I feel like you've abandoned me. But then they always end in hope and fixing their eyes on the faithfulness of God. And that really should be our model when we struggle, shouldn't it? We see this even in Habakkuk, one of my favorite books. Habakkuk was like, God, how are you going to let all of this happen? God, I don't understand your will. I don't understand your plan. But Habakkuk ends that even if I don't understand, even if everything looks bad, still I will praise you. Are you praising God in your struggle? I remember um, a time Oh gosh, when was it? It was when Caleb was in grade four and out of nowhere, he got extremely sick and he had to be hospitalized. He, his uh, belly Reuben was too high. His like, he had this block in his belly Reuben, his liver. He was so jaundiced. He had all the signs of hepatitis and he was really sick and they couldn't figure out why and they they couldn't figure out how and I got scared I got scared and I stayed with him in the hospital and I got scared for a number of reasons one I got scared because oh my goodness my child is in medical crisis and the doctors don't know what's going on I got scared as a mama for my child I also got scared because it triggered trauma in me. When I was six, I was hospitalized. And while I was in the hospital, I was molested by someone that worked there. And I was reliving my own trauma, seeing my son hospitalized. So I would not leave. I did. I would not leave him. I stayed in the same stinky clothes. I did not leave the hospital for a week. They were telling me, go home, take a nap, go rest. I would not leave. I would not leave my son unintended. And I was wrestling um, with God. Like, how could you let this happen to my son? You know how I've longed for for this child. You know how I prayed for this child. You know how I've had so much fear over you taking this child from me um, as punishment for my past. What are you doing, God? Why aren't you why aren't you giving the doctors wisdom? Why, like, why is this happening? And I was, I was 
angry at God. And instead of turning to him in my struggle, I was shutting down. I was shutting down and I was just trying to keep it all together in my own strength. Mind you, in the background, what else was going on is I was having a mental health crisis and things were falling apart inside my mind. My son was in the hospital at the same time that my son was in the hospital. My dad was having major heart bypass surgery and I I couldn't be there for him because I couldn't leave my son. And there was just so much heaviness and so much struggle. My marriage was not good at this time. There was serious fractures to the point I didn't know if our marriage would survive. Like, Like this was a point of struggle. Everything around me felt like it was falling apart. And my initial, my initial reaction was not to seek God. Yeah, I prayed, but I didn't earnestly seek him. I was more trying to keep the pieces together on my own. And I was more angry a bit at God for allowing all these things to happen. And I had to have a change of heart. And I was praying one night, this was maybe day six or seven that Caleb was in the hospital and it was a Saturday and I was praying. And I finally got to that point of truly seeking God as my father, truly seeking God as my stronghold, truly seeking God as my ever-present help in time of need. See, up until then, I was blaming God. (laughs) I was, you know, mad at God. I was not believing that God would change things. I was doubting God. I didn't doubt that he could. I just doubted that he would. I doubted that he would change my circumstance. I doubted that he would show up. I doubted his love and concern for me, truly. And that Saturday night, my heart was suddenly reoriented towards God in a truly humble seeking way. I got to the end of myself and I decided in faith to go to church the next day. I hadn't been going to church. I hadn't like, I was so terrified from my own childhood hospital experience to leave my son, but I had to, in that moment, decide to trust God with my son. And I went to church and I went to the altar and I stood in my son's place and got prayed over. Now God performed a miracle. I went back to the hospital that day and this apparent hepatitis was leaving his body. His levels started to level off and we got discharged within the next day. Like God performed a miracle. Now I'm not saying that God is always going to work that way. I'm not saying that his plan and purpose is always going to be immediate restoration. But when I stopped doing things my own, And when I stopped just blaming God and I truly sought him, he met me and he heard me. And boy, did he answer in such an incredible way. 
Now the sun, my son's healing happened basically immediately. It took a lot longer for the healing of my mental health to come, for the healing in my marriage to come. But I decided that I was going to earnestly seek God in my struggles during that. And so I want to encourage you today to look at the Psalms as an example. And here are four steps on how to really seek God during your struggle so that you make space for him to show up and be the big, miraculous God that he is. First, cry out in anguish. Don't shut down. Don't try to do it on your own, but cry out in anguish. Your heavenly father can handle your emotions. Petition him. Cry out. Put your needs before the feet of Jesus. Second, share your discouragement. I felt like I couldn't really say honestly, God, I doubt you. I thought it, I felt it, but I I, I thought it'd be sinful to actually say those words. Where God already knows our hearts, when we can come to him in honest conversation, he can reveal himself to us. Share your discouragement, share your doubt, share your anger. The psalmist did. The psalmist was like, where are you, God? You're going to let me be overcome by my enemies? Where are you? We can ask God, where are you? I feel like you've abandoned me. I feel like you're not going to show up. But here's the important part. We got to move on to step three. Yes, step one, cry out in anguish and petition God. Yes, step two, share your discouragement, share your doubts, ask God where he is. But step three, and something that the psalmist always does, is reorient their heart back to God's faithfulness. Reorient your heart back to God's faithfulness. Yes, God, my situation is dire. Yes, God, I can't see a solution. Yes, God, if I'm honest, I'm doubting that you're going to show up. But I choose to believe in your faithfulness. I choose to believe in your character. I choose to believe that you are going to work all things out for my good. I choose to be believe that you're going to be my strength and my comfort. I choose to believe that you will never leave me or forsake me. I choose to believe that you are sovereign even now. I choose to believe your plan is good. Right? We got to reorient our heart back to God's faithfulness. We got to preach to ourselves in the moment of God's character. We got to remind ourselves of the truth of who our God is. We got to remind ourselves how he showed up every other time, how he's rescued us every other time. So we cry out, we share our doubt, we reorient our heart back into faithfulness. And then four, we take the next step in faith. Lord, I trust you. So I'm going to take the next step in faith. For me, that meant leaving that hospital that morning and going to church and trusting my son in God's hands. Maybe for you, that next step of faith is 
calling up the relative you're estranged from and working on reconciliation. Maybe your next step of faith is releasing your child into God's hands like I had to. Maybe your next step of faith is pouring your heart out in a relationship where you feel hurt with your spouse and trusting God to honor that. Maybe your next step of faith is tithing because you've been so afraid to part with your money. Maybe your next step of faith is going out of your way to bless someone, even when you feel like you don't have the time or energy resources, right? What is your next step of faith in the area that you're struggling in? You got to take it, right? It's got to be faith in action. Faith in action. So you cry out in anguish. You share your discouragement and doubt. You reorient your heart back to God's faithfulness. And then you take that next step in faith. Assured of who God is, of his sovereignty over your life and his deep love for you. In Romans, we read, nothing can separate us from the love of God. God loves you. God will show up. Don't turn your back on him. Don't try to carry the burden on your own. Don't doubt his faithfulness. His timing is the best timing. You can trust that he will work things all out for good. You can trust that he will never leave you or forsake you. You can trust that he will make the crooked way straight as you follow his will. You can trust that. And that brings us to our affirming truth for today. I will trust God no matter what. No matter the storm outside my window. No matter the circumstance that I face, even if it's been my own sin that has brought me to the circumstance, I can repent and trust God to rescue me from myself. I can trust God to redeem my situation, even if I'm the one that caused it. And we look to Psalm 9, verse 10. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Are you seeking God in your struggle? He will not forsake you. That, my friend, you can take to the bank. That, my friend, you can hold on to. All right, I'll see you guys next week. Hey friends, before you go, I want you to know about a resource I have for you. If you struggle with replacing lies with truth, if you struggle with a negative mindset and really rooting your identity in Christ, I want you to go check out my Who You Say I Am biblically-based affirmation cards. They're a great way to learn what God has to say about you, to combat lies and replace it with the truth of the word. You can find them at my website or in the link below. Thanks for joining me today. I hope we're already friends on social media, but if we're not, come find me on Instagram at Carla Arges or at Affirming Truth. Can't wait to see you back here next week. Bye, friends.